The Living Traditions Festival is back Friday, May 17th through Sunday, May 19th at Washington Square Park in downtown Salt Lake City. You will find a global food court, live music, performances, art, workshops, Bohemian Brewery, and stuff for kids. Full disclosure, this is my favorite Salt Lake Festival. For details and to see the full program, visit livingtraditionsfestival.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. What is mud rain? Plus, Crumble Cookies gets the New York Times treatment and stay off the streets this Saturday morning. It's our weekly news roundup, and lead producer Emily Means is here to help me make sense of the city's top stories. It's Friday, April 21st. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Good morning, Emily Means. I have breaking news for you. Oh, boy. <laughs> The Salt Lake City DMV moved to Taylorsville. What? <laughs> okay. Okay. What? That doesn't make any sense. This is one of those things that, like, of course I Googled it, and there is an ABC4 story from February being like, the Salt Lake City DMV is moving to Taylorsville. But you really learn the hard way that the DMV has moved. At that point, it's not the Salt Lake City DMV. It's now the Taylorsville DMV. Right, but unfortunately, the Utah DMV website says, attention, the Salt Lake City DMV has moved to Taylorsville. <laughs> Wow. Are you talking about the Fair Park yes. DMV? Yeah. That was a good one. That was such a good one. And I actually one time tweeted that the woman who runs the front desk there should be Utah of the Year. And I was surprised oh, how many people commented to reinforce that. And it's funny because when I saw that it was gone, my first thought was, is she gone? And it's like, no, I doubt they like fired everyone. I'm sure they just all work in Taylorsville now. Yeah, but now she has to commute to Taylorsville. I what know. if she lived in the Fair Park neighborhood and walked to work every day? Or took the tracks. Or took the tracks. Hmm. Well, pour one out. So anyway, I don't know why they're like, they would want to clear the DMV out of Fair Park. It makes me think that they've like, that means there are plans for Fair Park. But yeah, we no longer have a DMV in Salt Lake City, the capital city of Utah. Your closest options are Draper and Taylorsville if you're a Salt Lake City resident and you want to go to the DMV. I think this is breaking news. This is a huge loss for our community. Huge loss. Huge loss. Anyways. Thanks for breaking that sad news to me, Allie. I have to renew my driver's license this year. Now I have to go to Taylorsville? Are you kidding me? Well, you'd have to go either way. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Emily, but now you don't have to stop at Fair Park and get disappointed and then have to go to Taylorsville and then be late to your next Thanks. thing. So you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Let's talk about the weather. <laughs> Governor Cox has declared a state of emergency for flooding. Uh, Salt Lake City Mayor Erin Mendenhall already did that last week. Hello. She was the first. Um, and I thought this was a really interesting thing, Emily, about the governor's state of emergency for flooding, which is that the $5 million that the state legislature had budgeted this year for, quote, emergency management flood mitigation, it's already been used up. It's already gone. <gasps> Oh, snap. Yeah, right? And yet, the governor says we could expect, like, at least two months more mm -hmm. of flooding. Right, right. That's bad news. So, hence the need to tap into the state disaster recovery restricted account all these sexy terms. But yeah, because it's kind of, it's the same funding pool for avalanches, floods, landslides, 
other natural mm-hmm. disasters. All those avalanches, floods, and landslides, things that we've been told to anticipate this spring as our record more than 800-inch snowpack gets hot and melts and runs down our valley, hopefully into the Great Salt Lake, but not without stopping first at many of our doorsteps. And uh, so, yeah, here we are. We're in a state of emergency for that. It's a 30-day order, but the legislature could extend it. What this means, like, from a technical standpoint is that it opens up more resources to us. So, I mean, exactly like you said, Allie, if we've run out of funding for for natural disasters already, now we have access to potentially federal funding to help mitigate those impacts. The thing that stuck out to me about this emergency order declaration, and I I actually think this was just in the press release, Governor Spencer Cox says, we're incredibly grateful for the moisture we've received this winter. And I was like, he said it. He said it. He did the thing. This is our state motto at this point. Completely. There are also two kinds of people in this world. There are people who see the word moisture in print and in their heads and out loud, they say moisture. And there are people who see the word moisture in print and they say moisture. Moisture. (laughs) I can say Moisture. I'm the latter. I'm a moisture. We're grateful for the moisture. For the moisture. (laughs) Well, and yeah, like you said, this is in effect for 30 days. The legislature can extend that. Um, That was new legislation, I think, from last year, uh, where the legislature was like, hmm, we've been in an emergency situation for a long time with COVID. So we're going to kind of pull back those powers from the governor, and now it lands in our court. You are so right. I completely forgot that that was the origin story of of the limit on the governor's ability to to create a state of emergency. It seems kind of silly in this context, especially when we know that we're going to be experiencing flooding for the next two months. Like, why does the legislature have to re-up that state of emergency? They love to be the check and the balance. (laughs) Um, They love to wear all the hats. But I did get a message from you this week that just said, mud rain? Question mark? Question question marks. Mud rain. What have you learned? Here's what I've learned about mud rain. And I sent you this message because uh, you were out of town Mm -hmm. in very nice weather conditions at an undisclosed location. (laughs) In a bunker. And we were all just sitting here watching out our windows as this cloud of something descended on the valley. And we were like, what is happening here? Is this the toxic dust from the Great Salt Lake? And uh, turns out it was a, a cloud of mud rain in which there there was dust blown out from the West Desert and the salt flats, and then the moisture <laughs> in the air <laughs> attached itself to those particles and descended upon us in the form of mud rain. And we all ended up with, you know, disgusting cars that needed to be washed, and you know, it was oh uh, an incredible atmospheric phenomenon for all of us. Okay, because I did get home on... Tuesday night and look at my car, which I park on the street, and I was like, why is everyone's car disgusting? And this actually explains it. Okay, mud rain sounds apocalyptic. I don't like it at all. Are you telling me that we could have a future where there's toxic mud rain? (laughs) Yeah, so like, don't stare up at the sky with your mouth open is what (laughs) I would suggest. Gosh, man, you take the fun out of everything. I know, I know. 
I did see um, there were two good, really good flood related stories from reporters at KUER this week, both friends of the pod from Sage Miller on what renters can do to protect themselves around flooding. And basically, I mean, the key takeaways are, as we've discussed on this show, Renters' rights, very limited in the state of Utah. There's no law that requires disaster preparedness from landlords as part of their sort of landlord job description. And the other key takeaway was get renters insurance, which I got to tell you, you're talking to a guy, Emily, me right here, Ali Vallarta, who learned the very hard way what renters insurance is when my house burned down and everyone in my life was like, well, did you have renters insurance? And I was like, what's that? So I'm not here to stump for insurance companies, but like I currently have a renter's insurance policy on my apartment. It's like a $200,000 policy and I pay like 15 bucks a month. So it's, it's like a pretty manageable, it's not like auto insurance where you're like, oh, it's, you know, 150, 200 bucks a month. It's pretty affordable and pretty easy. And I actually, I, I really do recommend it. In fact, a lot of landlords require it. You're right. And I mean, it does seem incredibly important in a state, like you said, where renters don't have many protections. Um, I really liked Sage's story. I'm glad that she looked into this angle around flooding. Um, The other thing that I thought was noteworthy is if, well, like it seems obvious, right? But like if your apartment floods, you should call your landlord immediately. Mm -hmm. And Utah law actually does give tenants the right to end their lease if their living situation becomes unlivable. So if your landlord has not responded to the flood in your basement apartment, you can pull the plug. Yeah, they have 10 days. Yeah. And get your security deposit back. Uh, You can get your prorated rent back and... I mean, is it the best option? No. But I think it's good to know that you have the option to leave that situation. The other story, KUER story this week that I loved was from reporter Sean Higgins, who, of course, everyone saw, I'm sure by now, whether you drove by it or saw the photos online of like the flooding at Sugar House Park, where the pond has basically just like runneth over. And the key takeaway from this story was... That's the pond doing what it's supposed to do. And like, actually... Huge surprise to me. Right. Because we, of course, as self-centered humans walking this earth without purpose, just see a pond and assume that it's there for our aesthetic (laughs) pleasure, right? (laughs) What a nice pond. How nice of them to build this pond for me so I could run circles around it. But uh, actually, we have... Several ponds in Salt Lake County, Creekside Park in Holiday, the Wheeler Historic Farm in Murray's got one that are designed to for flooding. Like they're like little bowls to hold water so that engineers can slow release water downstream. And urban planning is cool. That's your takeaway. Yeah. That's kind of my takeaway too. I well, at first I was very concerned. I was like, oh my God, what are we gonna do about this pond? It's flooding. Right. And Sean's story put me at ease. Sean did note in his story that Sugar House Park will be closed to cars after April 22nd, uh, just kind of as the pond's doing its thing. Yeah. So be aware of that. Frankly, I think Sugar House Park should always be closed to cars. Controversial opinion, perhaps. Okay, but we did have a conversation earlier this week on this show about increasing accessibility to our outdoor public outdoor spaces. So for someone who can't walk, it is nice to be able to like pull up and get out and sit on the grass or on a bench at Sugar House Park, right? 
I know that what you want is to take public transit to Sugar House Park easily and hop off and like run down to the water. The 21 bus. And feed the ducks. <laughs> but I, they do do a really nice job of creating like a runner's lane and a walker's lane. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> Thank you for holding me accountable. No, it's a really good point. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons. Maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. Spring is when leases expire, and if you're looking for a new or better apartment situation, here's the scoop at Ico Fort Union. Fort Union is Ico's newest build in Cottonwood Heights off 1300 East and 6720 South. And as they say in real estate, location, location, location. Ico Fort Union puts you 10 minutes from the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon and central to all the Fort Union shops and restaurants. But the complex is located on a dead-end street, so you get peace. Ico Fort Union offers studio, one, two, and three-bedroom apartment homes, plus these very cool three-bedroom work-live apartments. So if you're starting something new, you can live above your business space. Amenities include a pet spa, a spin loft, a bike hub, and EV charging stations. And they are signing leases right now. So visit liveatfortunion.com for a tour. Emily, can I tell you a, a really short story before we get into uh, our next topic here, which I'm really excited to uh Shall I say, take a bite out of with you? Oh, well, I can't go anywhere, so okay. hit me. <laughs> so as we discussed, I was out of town this past week. I was actually in my hometown of Sarasota, Florida. And while I was there, I was sitting in the back of an Uber with someone who was, who is, sorry, still alive, with someone who is Canadian and living in Finland, okay? And this person turned to me, and here's what they said. Have you heard of Crumble? <laughs> I said, stop the car. <laughs> I, I'm going to tuck and roll out of this vehicle. I'm going to walk. I said, how have you heard of Crumble? He was like, TikTok. And I was like, the audacity to ask me, a Utah, if I have heard of, have you heard of Goodly? Chip? Have you heard of Ruby Snap? Dirty Dough? Twisted Sugar? I come from the valley of the cookie wars. I have walked through the valley of cookie death. Like, I fear no evil. I fear no evil. How Crumble is at my side. How dare you ask me if I've heard of Crumble, which apparently there's a brand new one in my hometown of Sarasota, Florida, which is where oh that conversation my went. God. He was like, I don't mean to be rude, but you sound like a mad woman. <laughs> well, 
Fair. Fair point. Crumble is sweeping the nation in a way I did not understand, Allie. The fastest growing dessert chain in the U.S., according to the New York Times. Nuts. Uh, Big profile on Crumble in the New York Times this week, which... You know, whenever local media sees New York Times or a large national news outlet kind of like parachuting in to report on our weird stuff, we all raise an eyebrow. Um, But apparently Crumble has exploded in such a way that it is uh, it's gained this national attention, this prestigious national attention. Yeah. Okay. I for anyone who did get paywalled by this New York Times story, because I just know that I'm going to guess half of our listeners were like, yeah, I clicked it, but I got paywalled. (laughs) Um, There are some data points in this story that I think are worth sharing. You mentioned that it's the fourth fastest growing food chain of any sort in the whole country and the fastest growing dessert chain. Um, In the last six years, they've opened more than 750 stores from coast to coast. What? (laughs) Like, let's not forget, they, of course, got their start in Logan, specifically. The Cookie Wars Mm -hmm. are a very Utah phenomenon, and we can get into that. But the company said that last year, it sold, on average, a million cookies a day. That is too many cookies. (laughs) Their accounts have more followers than Taco Bell and Starbucks combined. Oh, my God. Now, I'm going to guess they still don't have more followers than Kylie Jenner but or, or <laughs> Selena Gomez, but they're working That's on it, their man. their next benchmark. They want to yeah. get in that fight. Well, Allie, this story, I, I, actually, I actually read the whole thing because I was looking for something in particular, and that was a mention of the controversies yeah. that Crumble has been a part of over the past just year. Uh, We saw Crumble sue their local competitors, Dirty Dough and Crave. They claimed that they stole recipes, stole branding, stole intellectual property. So that launched the cookie wars here in Utah. And then we also saw uh, a whole slew of child labor violations across 46 stores in 11 states. Right. Yeah. So where was that mention in the New York Times' article? Right. There was no mention of the dark side of crumble, right? Like, the question the article was looking to ask was, are crumble cookies any good? Now, I actually have to say, Emily, I wasn't happy to see that they weren't exploring, like, some of crumble's, like, misgivings. But often, when we see a Utah phenomenon get national attention— Authors can't resist the Utah mm. of it all. They can't mm-hmm. resist being like, it's uh, it's because of Mormonism, because Mormons abstain from booze, and so they indulge in sugar, and like sort of these like these Utah like subtweets that tend to to come out. Yeah. This story actually avoided that altogether. Like you could read this whole story and have no idea that there is a par and partner relationship between Utah culture and the birth of Cookie Valley and the Cookie Wars, right? Yeah. And I actually kind of appreciated that because I am sick of being like, ugh, let us talk about ourselves, please. Okay, really interesting point, Allie, because while I was reading this, I was having those feelings where I was like, I think you guys are making too big a deal of this. This is just a Utah thing. And like, this is blowing up on TikTok, which I guess is where your Canadian Finnish friend (laughs) learned about (laughs) Crumble. Yeah. And frankly, I... Well, I'm not really an online person in that way. 
I just felt that, you know, it was one of many dessert offerings in this state. And so we're all lining up for a pink frosted sugar cookie because we're just wired that way, you know? I mean, I think what's interesting to me is that, like, we often think of things that grow to popularity because they're internet phenomenons as being things that burn hot and fast. Mm. But at this point, Crumble is quite aged. In 2018, I was working on a political campaign here in Utah, and we had an intern who got a job working at Chip, which is another, of course, of the cookie delivery companies, local cookie delivery companies. And on a Sunday night, he got called to do a Chip cookie delivery to, want to guess whose house? Mitt Romney's. Yes. Is it Mitt Romney? (laughs) Yeah! Yes. What's Mitt Romney's cookie order? Well, he didn't He didn't open the box. I mean, I think they're like not allowed to open the box. So I don't know. Oh, Slash, okay. I didn't ask. But I mean, the whole look, my point being, the whole aesthetic of these cookies from the like often touted millennial pink mm-hmm. long boxes, the sort of like silly logo with the that's a cookie with a bite taken out, which it's hilarious that all these cookie companies are being sued for stealing each other's logos because they're all the same logo. And like, frankly, if all you do is make a cookie, there are only so many directions you could go with the logo, okay? But like, I look at this box of cookies and I hear Drake's hotline bling. Like I hear, I feel the summer of 2016. Like it doesn't, they don't feel like this moment to me. Yeah, which is why this New York Times profile was such a surprise. Yeah. Um, I don't know, are we over crumble? Are the, uh, what? But I think we should really answer here, Allie. Okay. Are they good or are they not good? Because that was explored in both this New York Times profile and a Bon Appetit follow-up mm-hmm. to the New York Times profile that they've gotten all this hype, but they're not even really that good. So, well, you first. are they good? You first. You first. You first. Okay. You first. I think they are awful. It's honestly, I mean, to be clear, like Crumble, first of all, if you'd like to buy an ad on City Guest Salt Lake, we we would welcome that. Um, (laughs) But like, it is a matter of personal taste for me. But here is what I want in a chocolate chip cookie. I want it to be crunchy because I want to dip it in milk in order to soften it. I don't want it to be chewy and cakey and soft before Uh it hits the milk, right? Before it breaks the surface. So I want it to be crunchy. The other thing I want is I want semi-sweet chocolate chips. I never Mm -hmm. want milk chocolate chips in a chocolate chip cookie. The cookie batter itself is so sweet that the semi-sweet chocolate is critical to create balance. And then the other thing I want is I want it to be salty as hell. Like I want to see crystals of sea salt on top Mm. of my cookie. And so that to Mm. me is a perfect Mm -hmm. chocolate chip cookie, which is basically the opposite of what Crumble is offering. I actually think of all the Salt Lake Valley cookies – the closest to that was Goodly, but they kind of got run out by Crumble. The first of those cookie shops that I ever went to, and I was like, oh, what's this? This is so interesting. Yeah. So now I've literally, I've laid down in the road here. So now you have to, <laughs> you have to say if you think they're good. All right. <clears throat> Here's what I think. Uh, is it the best cookie I've ever had? No, it's not the best cookie I've ever had. Although I too am very particular about chocolate chip cookies. Frankly, I need three to four chocolate chips in the whole cookie because it really hinges on the on the dough for me. Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's really important to me. But I will say that I enjoy that pink sugar cookie 
I love that pink sugar cookie. It's got like you almond do? extract Emily. in the frosting. I know. Nothing about I'm your vibe says that you so like that pink sugar cookie. I, this is shocking. <laughs> Sometimes I just get the itch, you know, and I'm like, I need that. I need that pink frosting. I need it right now. I love having multiple cookie options and can't we just all get along? Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> I have like one more thought on this and then we really can move on. But I feel that I need to say, I need to say this because as we've discussed, the cookie is a sacred Utah tradition. I believe this. And yes, that is, I think, inextricably linked to ward culture, Mormon culture. Like, ask any Utah, and I think they will tell you that a good cookie recipe is a thing of value. It is a family secret. Like, it's it was one of the first things I came to, like, think about this state is that, like, my neighbors when I used to live in Sugar House who were, like, families, their love language was, like, leaving cookies on our stoop, okay? These two young men starting this cookie company with no baking experience and now being quoted almost a decade later in the New York Times saying, we thought, how hard could it be? Amalgamating cookie recipes they found online, admittedly, not even hiring a chef to like get in the game. I think it's not the Utah way. Like there is a reason this isn't like a Utah story, the crumble story. Like it's kind of a slap in the face of the Utah way. Like make up a story about how this was your grandma's recipe or something. My God. But like I think it undermines our cookie values. And I don't think it's going to age well. And like that's probably because Governor Cox and President Biden are going to shut down TikTok. <laughs> An undercooked doughy idea at best. Exactly. And you said this would be the year of the cinnamon roll, and I'm still waiting for that. Let's move on to the cinnamon roll. Let's move We're on. ready for it. All right. Well, All right. we ranted. The emails are rolling in. Emily Means, what are you doing this weekend? You know what I'm doing this weekend, Allie? I am avoiding the Salt Lake Marathon routes yeah. throughout this city. Have you ever gotten caught in marathon traffic before? Because I have, and it's a bad time. I'm not known for my planning, Emily Means, so yes, absolutely. Yeah. And the thing about the Salt Lake City Marathon is it's it should be called the Salt Lake Valley Marathon because that thing stretches all the way down to Murray. The route mm-hmm, goes from mm-hmm. Federal Heights to Murray, okay? So just stay home. Just stay home. There will be road closures uh, basically starting in the early morning until the afternoon, all throughout this valley. So, you know, this might be a nice time to uh, test out public transit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can post the map in the show notes of all the closures. But uh, yeah, just be aware of that. And a really nice companion to the marathon this weekend is Peyton Harkin's story in the Salt Lake Tribune about different sites to see on the marathon route. So even if you're not participating, like me, I'm never going to run the Salt Lake City Marathon. Uh, I'm still going to go check out the public art and the different historic sites that are on the route. Well, and the story featured friend of the show, Brian Heath, also known as Salt Lake Seas, who has a column about all the unusual things he's seen on Salt Lake City streets because he has run every single one of them. His plan for this year is to only run in Sugar House Park and run laps around Sugar House Park, um, which is like really actually fun and I can't wait to hear about all the things he's discovered inside just that like single lap um but yeah that was a great story is that your big weekend plan stay stay home is this you delivering I'm staying home in a new way Emily (laughs) this is actually the perfect weekend for me Allie because I have an excuse 
for not leaving my house. What are you doing this weekend? So in honor of Earth Day and the fact that, um, as we've discussed on the show, I am trying to be a car minimalist, uh, I'm test riding an e-bike. Oh my gosh, how fun for you. I know. So Rad Power Bikes has a folding e-bike, and this means I could fit it in my apartment storage unit. And so I'm going to go test ride it. But I do have a question for listeners because I know we have a lot of e-bike listeners or just like bike listeners. And it's the most Salt Lake thing ever to have your bike stolen. And I'm one of the reasons I've put off getting an e-bike for so long is that I'm paranoid about it getting stolen. But anyway, the question then is, can any of our listeners please recommend a good bike lock? Like what is the best, most savage bike lock? Uh, Salt Lake at citycast.fm or 801-203-0137. You can call or text that number to let me know. I would like to compile your responses. I want a bike lock that is basically a tripwire, okay? Just carry it on your back with you everywhere you go, Allie. Carry <sighs> your bike on so your back. Heavy. If it weren't for the battery, I could swing it, but <laughs> I want a bike lock that like if you try and cut it, it activates a ninja with a sword. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what yeah. I'm looking for it, here. It squirts ink in your face exactly. or something. Exactly. I want a bike lock that has survived natural selection. Are you going to wear a helmet? You bet. While you're testing this bike? Send helmet Rex, too. Send helmet Rex, too. Yeah. But I'm. But the lock is my biggest source of anxiety. As, a, as an equestrian, I've got helmets. You know what I mean? Okay. Because horses are basically bikes that have bikes. a mind of their own and are scared of a piece <laughs> of trash on the ground. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So, anyway... Please send it. Send them over. And with that, we're out of here. Emily Means, always a pleasure to end the week with you. Enjoy your weekend at home. Let's get a cookie. Let's get a cookie. (laughs) Bye, Allie. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Therina Ria. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria. We will be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Have a great weekend. Bye.